Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, law enforcement representatives say a lack of staffing and funds are to account for their department shortfalls. Department of Health officials are anticipating a possible dengue outbreak this year. The Public Service Commission tells Water and Power Authority officials their delays are costing ratepayers millions. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Health officials are putting Virgin Islands residents on notice for the possibility of a dengue outbreak. Territorial epidemiologist Dr. Esther Ellis says after heavy rains, there is always the influx of mosquitoes. Following a recent outbreak of dengue fever in Brazil, the Centers for Disease Control predicts surges in Puerto Rico and throughout the Caribbean. There has been no confirmed cases in the territory so far, Dr. Ellis says, but it's a matter of time. We have a smaller population than some of the other uh, neighboring regions that are experiencing outbreaks right now. But the most important thing we can do is uh, protect ourselves from getting mosquito bites, wear long pants, long shirts, repellent on exposed skin. Don't uh, go out when these mosquitoes are commonly biting. This is the 80s Egypti mosquito. They bite mostly at dawn and dusk. And... Um, know the signs and symptoms. About one in four people that get infected with dengue will get sick. Uh, for people who get sick, symptoms can be mild or severe, and severe dengue can be life-threatening. So it is really important that anyone with severe dengue get care at a hospital. She says mild symptoms can often be confused with other illnesses as it causes fever, aches and pains, and even a rash. Some of the common symptoms also include nausea, vomiting, like I said, the rash, aches and pains, um, sometimes around the eye, and actually sometimes also behind the eye, muscle, joint, or bone pain. Symptoms can last two to seven days, and people recover in about a week. But getting rid of breathing ground, she says, will help reduce the chances of mosquito reproduction. These mosquitoes like to breed in clean water, uh, so they can even breed in a few. There's a bottle cap that's upside down in the yard, they can breed in really small uh, amounts of clean water, but they like tires and um, other things that hold standing water. In the event of a dengue outbreak, Dr. Ellis says the department is ready. We have the ability to test locally on island now for dengue virus versus sending samples off island, which has been done up until recently. And we also have the ability to spray for mosquitoes. The spray is a, actually an adulticide, so it kills adult mosquitoes. And we also have access to larvicide, which can kill the um, baby mosquitoes or the larva. She says the department uses backpack sprayers versus the fog trucks people have been accustomed to. She says they're not currently spraying, but they do have mosquito traps set up where they will be able to test. In the event that a human doesn't make it to a provider and get tested for dengue. We're also testing the mosquitoes in the environment so that we can detect the presence of the virus here as quickly as possible. And we'll let the community know in the event that we are at the beginning of a potential outbreak. 
The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority was the third utility provider to face heated questioning this week. To complete our coverage of Tuesday's Public Service Commission's regular meeting, Isabel Tayer reports on the delays that are costing ratepayers millions. Frustration over the performance of WAPA was palpable at this week's Public Services Commission regular meeting. Topics ranged from the concerns over water quality on St. Croix to the implementation of renewable energy sources. But the meeting kept returning to one recurring theme. Delays in WAPA's plans are costing ratepayers millions of dollars. There seems to have been absolutely no progress made since December 13th. And I would remind the commission and the public that every month that that project is delayed is approximately $3 million in impact to rates. So we've just wasted another $9 million waiting for a four-page lease. Commissioner David Hughes was referring to a lease between the Department of Property and Procurement and WAPA that would allow for a wind power project. Dion Sinclair, WAPA's general counsel, responded by saying the draft for the lease had been finalized. My goal is to get that done by the end of this week. It is not a four-page document because we're going actually with a master lease now to govern um, both islands and all the sites. So um, we are working diligently to get that done. Commissioner Hughes then went on to question WAPA about interconnection studies, which would examine how to integrate renewable energy sources into the territory's power grid. But after six years and multiple consultants, the first of these studies has still not been completed. It just amazes me that it's taken us this long to get to something so simple as an individual site interconnection study for a system that we've studied, by my count, four times with four different vendors over the last six years. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know how this couldn't have been a priority for the utility. Adding to the pile of complaints were the setbacks with WAPA's problem-ridden Advanced Metering Infrastructure System. Known as AMI, the system is used to collect, measure, and manage energy consumption. But since the hurricanes of 2017, WAPA's AMI system has been routinely failing. WAPA's executive director, Andrew Smith, said the authority was pursuing a FEMA grant to address the failing AMI system. Where we are in that process is we did an extensive amount of work uh, you know, to understand and ensure that we were coming up with a robust estimate for what the, what the, the process would cost. Uh, and then that formal application will be going over to FEMA here, hopefully within the next handful of days. Smith said the authority was also finalizing another grant through FEMA. This grant would total $1 billion and would be used to replace St. Croix's water system. That grant will replace the entirety of the St. Croix water system, not just the service lines, the tanks, it'll be the pumps, it's everything that's in the island of St. Croix. Um, that grant is projected to be approximately a billion dollars. Don Gregoire, WAPA's director of water distribution, said they were waiting on final approval from FEMA, which is expected by the end of this month. However, when asked by Commissioner Laura Nichols-Sam about how long the project itself would take, Gregoire had a longer timeline. Say we do receive the grant funding mm -hmm. in February. Do you have a timeline? It will probably take, I would say, a minimum of 15 years. The meeting concluded with commissioners discussing the possibility of opening an investigation into WAPA's handling of the failing AMI system. 
a lack of funds and severe staffing shortage are the key contributing factors hindering the effectiveness of local law enforcement agencies. That's the testimony from officials to senators who wanted to know what their department's most critical issues are. When asked for two main issues he's currently facing, Wanson Harris, Director of Environmental Health under the Department of Health, said he only had one. As manpower, uh, we have 6,000 establishments that we have to regulate, and, and it's, it's hard with the three enforcement officers. The Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs has only seven officers throughout the territory, three on St. Thomas and four on St. Croix, a number insufficient for the amount of businesses Assistant Commissioner Horace Graham said they are responsible for regulating. Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs has uh, the responsibility for regulating some 12,000 businesses throughout the territory. And um, as our sister agency indicated, manpower continues to be a significant challenge. The Peace Officers Standard and Training Office testified that lack of funding and staffing shortages are the main issues they're currently experiencing. Senators questioned the patrolling of business outside of the normal 8 to 5 business hours, but Wilbur Francis, Director of Enforcement for Licensing and Consumer Affairs, who is one of the four peace officers on St. Croix, said it's something they simply aren't able to effectively do. Our officers are guided, um, they fall under contract, and so their CBA speaks to um, certain hours and then the hours after that being um, provided or paid to them through overtime funds, um, which starts at, it, it goes up until time and a half, up until 8 o'clock and then double time after that, and then on holidays as well. So it boils down to a funding issue. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources has the responsibility of protecting the territory shorelines as well as enforcement, a responsibility given to 11 officers, six on St. Thomas and five on St. Croix. The Director of Division of Environmental Enforcement, Howard Forbes Sr., says is difficult to do. Uh, to complement us, we will probably need 10 officers per district. Responded to Senator Franklin Johnson, Taxi Cab Commission Director Vernice Gums told him there were only two officers on the island of St. Thomas and none on St. Croix. I think 10 would complement us territorially. And the reason for having none on St. Croix, someone retired or? That's correct. The one on St. Croix retired at the end of August. And have you guys started recruiting and trying to make sure you get someone to fill that gap? We are in the process of doing so, so in the next couple of months, we should have that information posted and start our recruitment process. Lawmakers urged agency officials to push for justifying their funding needs at the next budget hearing to fill their resource and funding gaps. A lawsuit alleging the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority and its contractors knowingly installed a faulty smart meter system was recently amended to propose a class action claim representing at least 50,000 ratepayers. The lawsuit originally filed in 2021, sealed as a whistleblower complaint, accuses WAPA and its contractors of installing a defective multi-million dollar smart meter system. The initial complaint that was unsealed last year focused on false claims regarding system capabilities. Publicly, WAPA has acknowledged issues with the smart meter system, and CEO Andrew Smith admitted to monthly device failures at a Public Service Commission meeting in May of 2023. Plaintiffs like Gordon Ackley, 
local businessmen, and Republican chairmen, alleged being unfairly billed due to system errors. Speaking with Leslie Comision, host of Comes with the Territory, Ackley explained why they initiated the lawsuit against the financially strapped utility system. I got involved. Uh, I was always in the background of it, but once it all came out, you know, people kept calling and calling myself, and because uh, I had a big issue uh, with being overcharged, uh, estimating my bill, uh, and you know, through depositions and things, we found out that uh, WAPA would, you know, they were only allowed to. Uh, estimate their bill for three months and then they ha actually had to come out and read it mm -hmm. and they weren't doing that. They would actually just mark the account being read when it was actually being read. Mm. And so what I wound up doing is I went out and uh, every month on the same date in time, I read my meter, took a photograph, time and date stamped it, where at that time I was getting bills from WAPA. Sometimes it was on a 21-day billing cycle, sometimes a 60-day billing cycle. Mm. And uh, what led up to the overcharges, in which I haven't been able to get straight, and you know, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, I've always been available for negotiations. Sure. I'm willing to negotiate any time, uh, especially when they're charging you an extra eight, nine thousand dollars got my attention. And they racked up uh, approximately 20,000 hours in overcharges. And I kept my own records and I disputed it. And finally, six, seven, eight months of estimating my bill, not reading my meter, they finally came out and read my meter. And in the next billing cycle, they backed off roughly 20-some thousand hours of wow. electricity. And they never backed the dollar figures off. Watch the full conversation this Sunday on WTJX-TV Channel 12 at 1 p.m. with a re-air at 7 p.m. Newsfeed chief reporter Tom Ader has an in-depth article on the lawsuit that can be found on our Newsfeed website at newsfeed.wtjx.org. A California man has been arrested and charged with threatening to kill postal workers on St. Thomas. According to court documents earlier this year on January 27, 41-year-old Simon Peters of Valley Center, California, spoke with an employee of the Arbery C. Othley Post Office located in the area of the Charlotte Amali High School. Peters was angry that his package addressed to the Kerwin Terrace housing community had not been delivered. During the call, Peters told the postal employee to make sure the fat boy knows we're watching him and next time we're going to kill him behind the building. He further threatened that if any more packages from California went missing, the employee would see what happens to their co-workers one by one. Peters provided the tracking number for his missing package, which had been intercepted and seized by Customs and Border Protection after an inspection revealed that it contained marijuana. Two days later, on January 29th, Peters again contacted the Otley Post Office and asked to speak with the Kerwin Terrace delivery driver. He stated that he had people already driving around looking for the postal employee to kill him. Peters appeared before a federal magistrate judge in California and will then appear in St. Thomas for prosecution. The case is currently being investigated by the United States Postal Inspection Service and prosecuted by Assistant United States Attorney Natasha Baker. And... Former Port Authority officer 53-year-old Wayne Jeffers of St. Croix has been sentenced by District Judge Wilma Lewis to 64 months incarceration. 
followed by three years of supervised release, 100 hours of community service, a fine of $4,000, and a $200 special assessment on his conviction of conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute cocaine and possession with intent to distribute cocaine. On May 11th of 2022, Jeffers, then a Port Authority officer at the Henry Rolson Airport on St. Croix, placed a suitcase containing 12 bricks of cocaine onto a ladder truck on the ramp of the airport. Later that day, his co-defendant Charles Rawlings III, a former ramp agent, removed the suitcase from the ladder truck and placed it on a baggage cart to be loaded onto a Seaborn Silver aircraft that had recently landed. On November 16th of 2023, Rollins was sentenced to 48 months in prison, followed by three years of supervised release, 100 hours of community service, a fine of $2,000, and a $200 special assessment on his conviction of the same charges. The Virgin Islands Port Authority and Crowley, a U.S.-based global shipping and logistics company, have signed agreements to rehabilitate the infrastructure and expand the Crown Bay Cargo Facility on St. Thomas. Crowley, along with Tropical Shipping, partnered with the Virgin Islands Port Authority to pursue a Port Infrastructure Development Program grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation's Maritime Administration. Crowley and Tropical committed to contribute more than $5.4 million for matching funds required for the grant. Port Authority Executive Director Carlton Dow met with members of Crowley's senior leadership and business team to finalize the agreement that he says will improve the territory's ports. Everybody now has um, put up the matching fund that were required for that grant. It's a $21.9 million grant we got from the Department, U.S. Department of Transportation. So um, we'll go through. We started already the design of uh, the work to be done. Our engineers, Crowley engineers, and tropical shipping engineers have all met right here in Miami. I'm still in Miami, and I'm going through uh, how it's going to be uh, designed. So all the permitting processes now would be our next step with them. But in Crowley in particular, what we're also doing with them, we have quite a bit of property in St. Croix, and we are exploring uh, some more uh, bailout from Crowley uh, in terms of the container port area. Dow anticipates that construction will begin in 2025. We're now going to be accelerating the permitting process and the design process. And the design, again, is a combination of the Port Authority, Crowley, and Tropical. Uh, so uh, all of us have our engineers at the table and our design folks. So that's what we're doing right now. Despite closing some of its facilities in other locations, Crowley has operated in the territory for over 40 years. And the new agreement will extend those operations for at least another 20 years. It's, yes, looking to the future in terms of uh, more opportunities in St. Croix in particular and expanding what's going on in St. Thomas. As St. Croix gears up for the 52nd Annual Agriculture Food Fair, the Virgin Islands Police Department is advising motorists who prefer to avoid the traffic during AgriFest to utilize the Melvin H. Evans Highway or Midland Road Route 72. For individuals visiting the fairgrounds, be advised there will be crossing guards to assist with traffic and pedestrians traversing the area. Guards will be stationed at the eastern Golden Grove intersection, at the southern entrance, which is the main central entrance, and the western section near Lower Love Service Station. General parking is in the eastern, southern, and western parking lots of the AgriFest grounds. If children become separated from their parents, parents are urged to report to the Virgin Islands Police Mobile Command that will be located near the bridge to seek assistance. 
the Rotary Club of St. Croix Harborside has an initiative to increase mental health resources for Virgin Islands youth. Contributing reporter Isabel Tier has the details. The Rotary Club of St. Croix Harborside announced an initiative this week which is aimed at bolstering mental health care for children and young adults in the community. We want to stop the stigma. That's Sandra Gerard leung and she is the president of the Rotary Club of St. Croix Harborside. Speaking at a press conference, Leung announced a scholarship that will allow 20 pediatric primary care practitioners to undergo training in diagnosing mental health issues in young people. We have a number of students in our communities who are suffering with anxiety and other issues such as depression, and we want them to be identified and to get the assistance they need. The training will be provided by the Boston Children's Hospital, and physicians who are awarded scholarships will complete the training online. Mental health is a big issue in our community. We sometimes don't want to talk about it. We just want to close our eyes and just keep walking. But it is an issue. And just because someone has a mental illness does not mean they are not a productive person in our community. The initiative was made possible through a collaboration between the Rotary Club of St. Croix Harborside, Mental Health Initiative's Rotary Action Group, and the Rotary Club of Naples, Florida. The next information session for the scholarship application process will be held on February 29th at 6.30 p.m. Anyone interested in attending should contact Liz Goggins at 340-771-4420. In observation of President's Day on Monday, February 19th, Vitran will not offer fixed route services or ADA paratransit services territory-wide. Normal business hours will resume on Tuesday, February 20th. We're turning now to our regional report. A top court in St. Vincent and the Grenadines upheld laws today that criminalize gay sex, a blow to activists who have long decried the violence the LGBTQ community have faced on the conservative island. The ruling by St. Vincent's High Court stems from a 2019 case filed by two gay men from St. Vincent who live abroad, seeking to strike down colonial-era laws that call for 10 years in prison for anal intercourse and five years for gross indecency with another person of the same sex. Christian Gonzalez Cabrera, a senior researcher at Human Rights Watch, called the ruling a travesty of justice. It wasn't immediately clear if anyone planned to appeal the ruling. While the laws are rarely invoked, activists say they help legitimize physical and verbal abuse against the gay community on the island of some 100,000 people. St. Vincent's Prime Minister, Ralph Gonzalez, has previously decried discrimination against gay people. Along with St. Vincent and the Grenadines, St. Lucia, Dominica, Jamaica, Guyana, and Grenada all have laws criminalizing gay sex. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the weekend's weather forecast. High pressure remains anchored over the southwestern Atlantic and a stalled out frontal boundary to our north may be enough to trigger some isolated shower activity, particularly on Sunday. Otherwise, it looks like the dry, warm weather will continue as we step through the weekend. Again, just a small chance of an isolated shower as we look forward to Sunday. Our forecast details heading into the weekend with a few scattered clouds tonight. Overnight lows drop into the lower and middle 70s. East to southeast winds at 5 to 15 diminish slowly as we head through the overnight. It'll become partly sunny tomorrow. Saturday should be a nice day, seasonably mild again. Highs 82 to 86. A few scattered clouds tomorrow night. 
72 to 76. It'll be partly sunny. There is a slight chance of a pop-up shower. We'll put that probability around 30% on Sunday. Temperatures in the low to mid-80s. Watch out for rip currents at area beaches, particularly north and east-facing beaches this weekend. I'm Precision Weather Meteorologist Russ Smurley. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.